Well, here we go. Uh, this is going to be our first episode of Back of the Bus Stories. And essentially what this is, is me trying to recreate that atmosphere of being on the back of the bus, headed to a road trip or headed home with your, with your teammates, with your buddies, and just telling stories and cutting up and having fun. So uh, I'm asking guys to send me, you know, clips anywhere from a minute to, to 10 minutes long and we'll compile them and put them out there. So just some good old fashioned locker room back of the bus stuff. So hope you guys enjoy. So in order, our, our story's coming up here. First is going to be D. Hill, Daniel Hill, former Murray State slugger, outfielder. Um, and he's got some stories, one being his dad, actually, uh, Walter Hill Bubba, who played at the University of, of Houston back in the day. He's got a really crazy College World Series story. And then he's got a funny story about a former team, teammate at Murray State named Chris Craycraft. And then furthermore, on, on D. Hill, i got a few funny things to share this guy's hilarious. I never played with him, but I still think of him as part of this Bread's family. You know, when I think of like, who am I going to text if I want to send out a text to Murray State guys, D Hill is always involved. And there was one weekend I came back the year after I graduated, I believe. And he had the weekend of his life. Like I've never seen anyone hit like it. I swear he hit five home runs and six doubles in a weekend. And I you know, probably the, his greatest moment ever as a baseball player, and that's the only games I ever saw him play. So in my mind, D. Hill is the greatest hitter that ever lived, and he always will be. Uh, after that is a story um, shared between me, myself, and Mark Harmon, former Murray State pitcher, good buddy of mine, one of my catfishing bros. Uh, we've got a really funny story, kind of how our, our friendship kind of started. And then I throw a bunch of stories that I felt like would be be funny here on so this is going to be back of the bus enjoy he uh he's compiling like some baseball stories and i was talking to him the other day and i told him uh that you had a good one about how y'all y'all got to the college world series when you beat texas mm-hmm. yeah so uh he uh do you mind uh tell, telling me that story again so i can uh i can send that to him so he can put it on uh on his on his podcast thing yeah yeah so so all right so i guess start from the beginning so this was you had y'all just um had y'all gone one and one and this was uh yeah we we won they we won the first game in houston yeah i think like 11 to 7 or something i don't know something like that Yeah, yeah yeah then we went then we went to austin and we lost the second game. Okay. So we were playing the third game, and we went into the uh, eighth inning. We were down three to one. Yep. And we had two outs in the uh, top of the eighth, and Tom Pachoric was up. Yeah, he was y'all stud, right? Yeah, he was an All-American and hits yep. a, a – a butt hit, you know, he swung at it and just got yeah. on. Yeah, and, yeah. infield single, swinging bunt. Yeah, and then we, we get a couple other hits and score a run. And then we've got, we've got a couple guys on. And Texas at that time in their center field had a, a mound, a hill. Yeah, kind of like how the Astros had uh, yeah, before. That. Yeah, but it was it was a mound, and to, and if you get the, the ball went up there, you have to go up on the sides to get to it. Yeah, that's right. 
and and we had a we had a guy that was you can't tell he was hung over, but <laughs> oh, yeah, no, that's no, you can, yeah. So yeah, so the night before, obviously he uh, he may yeah, have had he, a, was, he was a catcher and he was he didn't, uh, didn't play a lot, right? He was a backup. Yeah, he was a good player, but but oh, yeah, okay. he he wasn't. You know, he was a backup. Yeah, yeah, but yeah. I, yeah. And uh, he was basically hung over, but uh, <laughs> he went and pinch hit and hit a triple up on the on the uh, up on the wall. Yeah, so and he hit went, it and it got, and it got hung we, up there. Yeah, and then we went ahead four to three, and then we went to the ninth inning, and uh, we got a cup. We got two outs, and Texas had a guy on second. And uh, they they hit a ball kind of up the middle, and our second baseman was able to get to it. He knocked it down. Yep. And, and their coach sent the guy from second, and we threw him out. Nice. So I mean, play, he was play, he play. was out by ten steps. But the uh, coach, I think, coach thought the ball was going to get through. Got anyway, it. Yeah, and so that, that was that was how that's. That's how we beat them, and uh, that was uh, Bib Falk's last game. He was a he's a legendary baseball coach. He'd been at Texas for I don't know how long, but uh, that was his last game. So nobody thought we had a chance. Yeah, so I was gonna say, so weren't y'all y'all were underdogs kind of going into? Oh, that. Absolutely, yeah. We were we we were lucky to even get to go to the playoffs because we had to win our last three games in the regular season. Just to get a chance, we were an independent. We were not. That was. That's right. And Texas was in the Southwest at that time, but we were an independent. So yeah. we we had to win our last three games just to get an opportunity to go play and uh, play Texas. Nice. Yeah. And, then, <laughs> and uh, so yeah, then I couldn't remember. You, didn't you tell me that you're the catcher that hit the triple? He was like basically sitting on the bench with like a towel over his head. Oh he, yeah, yeah, he was, and. To put, then he came in to catch. He caught the last. <laughs> I forgot about that. Yeah, he made the last out. Yeah, he made the last out. Wow, that's so great. Probably sobered up a little bit by then. No, he he'd had a little rough night. So. <laughs> oh, that's fantastic. So yeah, yeah, good deal. I'm sure he'll uh, he'll enjoy that. But uh, yeah, yeah, you. I, I mean, that's that's a true story. So and like yeah. I say, he 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 made the last out. You know it when we threw him out at home. Yeah. Oh, that's fantastic. Well, good deal. Yeah. I appreciate you. Uh, yeah. Re- retelling that. I, that's one, that's one of my favorite ones for sure. So yeah. Awesome. Yeah. yeah. Did you have, I see if I can find the story that the, the pitcher for Texas wrote. You, do you, oh, oh, yeah. you have the article? Um, I'll see if I can find it. Yeah, if you've got that article, uh, I can forward it to you. It's bound to be – I've got it – it's probably still on my phone somewhere, but I'll forward that one to you. That's a great article. I mean, it kind of bleeds into – you know, it it goes through the – talking about what happened in the game. Yeah. And that's that's from their perspective. Yeah, for sure. Yeah, I'll see if I can find that article. If I can, again, I'll send it to you. What's up, boss man? I got a I got a Murray story for you. So um, this was my junior year, 
and we are traveling. I can't remember where we are, who we were going to play. It might have been uh, uh, like Eastern Kentucky or something. I uh, can't remember exactly who, but uh, but I always uh, my roommate, my travel mate was uh, Chris Craycraft, and everyone who knows Chris, he's he's a little bit. He's quiet. He kind of keeps to himself. He's a little bit different, and like he, um, <laughs> he used to bring his own sheets and pillowcases, and he would bring this little cocoon thing that we used to always give him shit about. But uh, honestly, looking back, that's probably <laughs> he was probably the smart one because I mean we stayed at like Microtel and some of these other places that probably weren't the cleanest, probably had bed bugs, but. Uh, so he was just, that was his, you know, he was that type of person. He wouldn't, he wouldn't eat, um, the same meals as we did. His dad would always go get him, get him meals. I mean, I, I don't think he, Golden Corral was up to his standards. So, uh, he, he would have his own meals. He'd have like a tackle box full of vitamins and shit. Um, so, so one night we're, we're getting ready to go to bed. We're just chilling. I'm laying down in bed and Chris is in the bathroom and next thing you know, I hear this dude just like going, oh, 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 just gagging and like getting ready to throw up and just like all sorts of shit and sounds coming from from the bathroom. I'm like, dude, what is going on? And next thing I know, he just holds out the side, like out the door. He holds a tube of cortisone. I'm like, what the fuck is it? Like, what is going on? Well, he uh, mistakenly brushed his teeth with cortisone instead of his freaking Colgate toothpaste. So. He about uh, puked and probably had uh, probably probably had food poisoning or I don't even know what you would get from that shit. But, uh, but anyways, that was uh, that was always a good uh, good travel story I had for you. So hope hope you like it. See ya. Our quesadilla story from your perspective, and then I'll let you go. Oh no. Um, <laughs> so first, I think we have to establish how good. Taco Bell chicken quesadillas are. We've got to get that oh, out of the way, which they are. It's true. It's just true. Incredible. Exactly. And I think for yeah. every drink you have in your system, that makes them even better. Um, Irresistible. Irresistible. Yeah. And at, at that time uh, of life, uh, definitely had some drinks, but also also had I was like a vacuum with food, too. Um, and I was put in a situation where I was starving. I had no resources to go anywhere. Definitely no restaurants open. And I made, I made a horrible decision to a good friend uh, to open the fridge and it consumed the chicken quesadilla. But to this day, it is still the best chicken quesadilla I've ever had in my life. It's so perfect. But then just, to, you know, there's a second half to it too. Like you, obviously I realized at the end of the night I was missing said quesadilla. And my, my my heart was broken. You know, I've been thinking all night, like, man, I can't wait to get that quesadilla, you know, when the night's <laughs> over. But then the next day, and I feel like this forever bonded us, you showed up at 1012 at our apartment with a quesadilla, I believe, for me. Right? Got to make it right, man. Got to make it man. right. Own your actions. Um, yeah. You got you to do that from, from my catfish brother. Most catfishness <laughs> boys ever seen. Oh, buddy. That was awesome. Perfect. Got another uh, back of the bus story again. This is Blake Helm. Uh, we'll call this one the the Hamburglar conundrum, and this is uh, from my time at Murray State, being a Murray State thoroughbred. And Halloween, on you know, as with probably any college campus, is a pretty fun time. You know, people 
get dressed up and go out and it seems like it's almost like a week long party in in some ways you know Murray State being no different and uh we had a teammate I'm not gonna say his name but had a teammate that had an amazing Hamburglar costume and I want to say his sister made it for him or someone in his family but it was like a custom-made Hamburglar suit and it was the best Hamburglar suit you've ever seen it was fantastic and every Halloween that's what he was he was Hamburglar he wasn't thinking about a new costume he was Hamburglar and so my, I was at Murray State for two years, and I want to say uh, both years during kind of the week-long festivities of Halloween, the Hamburglar ended up sleeping on our couch, and we were in apartment 1012. We were the 1012 boys. We had a pretty open-door policy. Like, we never locked our doors. People hung out there all the time. It was one of the, the focal places that a lot of Murray State baseball players hung out at, and uh, especially like some some of the younger guys, some of the guys that were still in the dorms. So I believe that's why he was crashing with us because a lot of parties and things would be happening at Murray Place, the apartment complex where we lived, and he would just end up crashing on our couch. Well, anyway, for like five days straight, we would wake up to Hamburglar being on our couch, and that's just kind of a funny sight to see. So after the second year of this, and I believe the fourth or fifth day, of us waking up to Hamburglar on our couch and then Hamburglar staying essentially the rest of the day until it was either practice or class or whatever. We were like, we're going to get Hamburglar out of here. We're going to solve this Hamburglar problem. And I say this with love in my heart because we love this teammate. And he actually ended up, I believe, taking my place in that apartment the year after I left. But we were like, we're going to antique this dude. And if you don't know what antiquing is, it's when you throw a big handful of flour on someone's face when they're sleeping. So, they, like, they're dusty, essentially. So we've got it on video somewhere, but I can't remember who did it, but we got a handful of flour and smacked it in his face, and he woke up, and he realized at that moment in time that it was time for the Hamburglar to go. So that's my Hamburglar story. I'll always cherish it and uh, love that teammate. This is uh, Blake Helm back for another story for uh, Back of the Bus Stories. This one involves... Uh, the back of the bus and a bus trip from Lincoln Land Community College. Um, so I started my collegiate career at Lincoln Land Community College, and we took two spring trips every year. Um, we got treated very well, so we would go to New Orleans and then come back and then go to Florida. So pretty, pretty dang cool for a junior college to be doing that. But uh, we had some traditions that led up to us taking our spring trips, and those would involve usually... Uh, a party where we got after it pretty good. Um, you know, just being college age guys, college baseball players, having some fun. But our, our thinking was kind of let's have some fun the night before because we've got an all day bus trip ahead of us where we can kind of just sleep and watch movies and, uh, you know, recover. And um, so this trip was no different. But one particular pitcher, I'm not going to say his name, but. Uh, had a lot of fun the night before and was um, sleeping off some of the fun <laughs> the next day on, on, on the trip. And, you know, everyone kind of knew that he might have extra got after it a little bit. Anyway, um, as, you know, 18 to 20-year-old guys do, they uh, tend to mess with each other, you know. And um, when this guy fell asleep, someone got the idea to pour dang near a whole box of milk duds in his pants. So 
And I want to say he slept for another two to three hours after this. So by the time this guy woke up and started coming to his senses, uh, these milk duds had long since melted and just turned into a nightmare in his, <laughs> in his pants. So I, I can I can still picture this, him waking up and coming to his senses and just all these things going through his head of like something's not right. You could just see the wheels kind of turning in his head, the gears. And then eventually he like gets brave enough to like put his hand down his pants and just the look of horror, of confusion, of where am I at in my life? What did I just do when he pulled his hand out and it's just covered in melted chocolate? Now, obviously he didn't think it was melted chocolate for that, for that time being. And, um, you know, the whole bus is trying not to lose it. And eventually someone is like, hey, so-and-so, it's it's just milk duds, dude. You didn't shit your pants. But I just, I'll never forget the look on his face of, there must have been so much going on of like, man, I overdid it. Where am I at in my life? I just pooped my pants on the bus. I'm going to have to answer to my brothers for this. Uh, this is never going to die. And uh, just those are, those are the good shenanigans about being on a bus and being a part of a brotherhood and being in a locker room, being on a team. So that's my uh, Milk Dud story. Classic. Back of the bus stories. Uh, this is Blake Helm again. Uh, this one is going to be about a teammate. I had a uh, Lincoln Land and uh, just a funny interaction that I think a lot of baseball guys can laugh about. And this was a pitcher at Lincoln Land. I'm not going to say his name, but he was um, naive, kind of like in a, in a childlike way and in some ways, and he definitely got a little bit of razzin sometimes, but he, he took it well anyway. Um, I remember standing there with Ron Riggle, Bull, and Bill Hool, Dollar Bill, and uh, just one of those classic pranks that you think you're going to get a freshman with, but like nobody ever falls for, and we go, or I think Bull said, hey, so-and-so, go in the closet and get the curveballs, and God bless this guy's heart, man. He tore up, he tore off after that closet like a bat out of hell. You know, the the good soldier wanting to please his his coach. And it was like a cartoon when he went into there because it's like you know in a, in a cartoon when someone is looking for something frantically, the you'll see them go into a closet and just like things just start flying out of there and like flying out behind them and there's like wind and that's what it looked like. I mean, it was just you could hear like bang bang clung 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 things flying around and then he comes, you know, he's in there for minutes because there's no such thing as curveballs. And um, <laughs> he comes out and he's just exasperated. He's like, coach, I can't find the curveballs, you know? And then we all just die laughing. We're like on the floor losing it because nobody ever falls for this. And then I f- it finally dawns on him that there's no such thing as curveballs. And uh, I'll just, I'll never forget that one special to me. So another back of the bus story, and this is again Blake Helm, uh, involves my time or a summer when I was on the Springfield Rifles in the Central Illinois Collegiate League, and we had a, an outfielder come in named Brian Keeney, who went to Fordham University, really talented guy. He had an absolute bazooka of an arm, uh, big time power, fast. Him and I became friendly. We ended up hanging out away from the field a little bit here and there. We go fishing and work out and whatnot anyway great guy you know and uh I've kind of lost touch with touch with him over the years but great guy anyway um one road trip we went somewhere and for whatever reason he did not have a credit card or didn't have any money and I covered him on some meals so it must have been 
don't know, $20, $30 worth of fast food on a couple day trip. And uh, he was like, yeah, I'll, I'll get you back when we get back in town. And I, I'm, I'm not a big fan of asking friends for money, of pestering them for money. I feel uncomfortable doing it. But uh, one thing that's interesting about Keeney is he loved Taco Bell, like deeply loved Taco Bell. And when the Crunchwrap Supreme came out, it was that summer. And his thing was he'd show up at the field every day with a big bag full of Taco Bell. And he was just always talking about how good Crunchwrap Supremes were. And I was like, yeah, you know, Crunchwrap Supremes were cool, whatever. Like, I like Taco Bell too. And he started bringing me a Crunchwrap Supreme almost every time he would go to Taco Bell and come to the field. So, you know, these were, I don't know, however many, 10 Crunchwrap Supremes over the summer, however many, 20, who knows. But at the end of the summer, before we were about to leave, I was like, hey man, I hate to do this, but like, you never really got me back for that, like, 30 bucks or whatever from that road trip. He was like, what are you talking about, dude? He goes, what about all those Crunchwrap Supremes I bought you? And I just started dying laughing. And it just, it'll forever tickle me because just like the logic of, you know, a 19-year-old guy or 20-year-old guy of, like, I'm going to pay this guy back in Crunchwrap Supremes, but I'm not going to tell him that this is how I'm paying him back and I just, I don't know, it just makes me laugh. And I laughed in the moment, and it's still funny to me. And I still wonder if he ever, like, pays people back in funny ways without them knowing. Like, is this dude still out there, you know, bartering with Crunchwrap Supremes? So anyway, Brian Keeney, that's my Crunchwrap Supreme story. Uh, this is Blake Helm again with another story for uh, Back of the Bus stories here. And this one is really cool. And I've one of my favorite baseball stories to tell. And I can, you know, I can close my eyes and vividly picture it now, like from everything, what I was hearing, what I was seeing, it was just, it was a core memory for me. And uh, it involves Jason uh, and Justin Knadler, and then also Jason Wirth. And so this would have been around my freshman year, I believe, of junior college, so 04, 05-ish, and... It was the winter after Jason Worth had just established himself as like a real big leaguer with the Dodgers. I want to say he hit 16 or so bombs, hit like 260, 270, something like that, and was just proving that he belonged. So um, he had rented, he'd come back to Springfield and had rented some sort of like an old hardware store that was on 2nd Street, I believe. And he turned it into like kind of his baseball training facility. So he had a... Um, he had an Iron Mike pitching machine in there, the good old-fashioned Iron Mike. And it was loaded up with baseballs, like real baseballs, not jugs balls. So it, it had seams on it. So it would catch seams, and it would be running and diving and dipping and had crazy movement. So really cool. They'd crank that thing up. There was a little area to, like, do some workout stuff. There was looked like there was a poker table in there for him and his friends to, like, play some poker or cards or whatever and just congregate and hang out. So... You know, it, it, it fulfilled probably a lot of things for him. Some place to work out, some place to hit, some place to hang out. Anyway, I was tied in with Jason and Justin Knadler, and they kind of let me tag along for many years and be a part of their kind of baseball training group. And so a lot of times that winter, we'd go hit there. And it was a cool environment, you know. But I would go with Jason and Justin, and we'd just take turns, taking our hacks, turning it up, turning it down, whatnot. One night, we got some sort of a idea to, essentially crank it up as, as fast as it could go. So I don't know what the equivalent was, but it was wild 
how fast it was and how much it was moving. I mean, it was crazy, like probably 100 plus, maybe 100 and just moving crazy. And um, we go in, in turn. So I start first being the youngest, you know, least experienced. And uh, I could barely touch it. Maybe I fouled off a couple, you know, and um, and then Jason and Justin took turns and they did a little better than me. And at this point, they would have been in pro ball. I want to say Justin had got a little bit of double A time. Jason was still in A ball, but these, you know, these guys are all Americans, players of the year, baseball studs by, by all, by all means. And then, um, but they didn't do a whole lot better than me. And then Jason, who was not even hitting with us, uh, was over there playing cards, I believe. And he just took an interest in what we were doing and decided he wanted to give it a try. Thought it looked cool. So he steps in. I'll never forget this, you know cold didn't warm up just grabbed a bat I don't even remember if he was in a workout clothes and just stepped in and started raking as if it was soft toss it was uh I'll never forget it you know just that difference between you know myself who at the time was a junior college player I went on to play some d1 and some indie ball versus the next step up which was you know kind of fifth and sixth round draft picks you know baseball dudes in the minor leagues versus a big leaguer and it was just crazy to see within five to ten minutes the differences in skill level and whatnot and uh powerful moment for me too because it was you know I knew I was never going to be Jason Worth but I figured maybe if I keep working you know I can and doing all my, my process and stuff that I could someday you know be in the same ballpark as Jason and Justin Canaler it didn't happen but Still a cool moment, and uh, I'll never forget that. Uh, the song that was playing, I can, I can remember it. It was Juvenile uh, in my life. So I'll never forget that. He had a sound system that was just pounding in there, and I remember that, that song playing, and I'll always associate that song with Jason Worth putting on a hitting display that I'll never forget.